Hey, we're so glad you decided to join us on YouTube. You're about to hear a message from our teaching team. We hope this message helps equip you for freedom and to find purpose in your everyday life. We stream our online services every Sunday. You can visit us at freedomhouse.cc live to connect with us and become part of our online campus. We know that you're gonna enjoy this message you're about to watch. How many of you are excited about this new series we're kicking off this weekend? called Crop Circles. It's all about miracles. How many of you need a miracle in your life right now? Well, we're gonna be talking all summer long about this series and about miracles. And I'm excited because I get to kick it off. But before I do, I wanna just jump in with what Bob said. We literally have people all over the world who are watching. And I love that I saw Switzerland, how incredible. We just wanna welcome you. We hope that if you are ever in Charlotte, we would love for you to come and join us here at Freedom House. And the rest of us in this room, we just applaud you and give you a big hand. This room is way larger than we understand sometimes. That's why when people ask us how many campuses that we have, we actually say that we have four because we have a whole online community where people can join in and get prayer, and it's amazing, incredible. So thanks for everyone being here in the room and those who are joining online. Well, in Acts chapter 8, you see Luke, who is the writer of Acts, describing and talking about a situation that transpired. There was a man named Simon the sorcerer who saw all these miracles and things happening and he couldn't explain it, he couldn't understand it. So he walks up and he goes to Peter and John and he says to them, hey, I, I mean, I'm a sorcerer, I do stuff, but it, it's, it's not really real, it's tricks. Uh, what is this stuff that you guys have? What's going on? What, what is all, all these things that you're doing? I would like to do that too. So can I give you some money? And, and can, I, can, I, can you show me these tricks or whatever the heck is going on that I can't figure out? Because I've never seen things like y'all are doing before. So can I give you some money and, and you just let me know all that you're doing? And they responded back to him and they let him know that, hey, in Acts chapter 2, the power of God fell, the Holy Spirit fell, and what transpired and what is happening is not anything that man can produce. No, you can't buy it. No, you can't work for it. It's a gift from God. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. And so he was perplexed, and he didn't understand why he couldn't buy it because he thought for sure it must not be real because he would have been able to figure it out. You know, I started thinking about that story and I was wondering how many times do we find ourselves in that seat of Simon the sorcerer where we can't explain something, we can't figure something out and maybe we can get a little bit skeptical. Maybe we can start to question it a little bit. How, how is that even possible? How can that happen? It defies human laws. It defies nature. It defies science. How could this be? But you see, that's the very thing about miracles. You can't explain it. You don't understand. It bypasses our natural thinking. It bypasses our five senses. And it's like our spirit communicates directly with God's spirit, and it bypasses our brain. Because see, this gray mass right here, this is kind of what can get us in trouble. Because see, we want to try to make everything be logical. And miracles are illogical. They don't make sense because they're not comprised of something that you and I understand here on earth. 
They are comprised of something heavenly and something spiritual that we can't figure out, although we try to. You know, I, uh, I got married to Pastor Troy when I was 20 years old, and um, that will be 27 years that we've been married. And uh, as a little girl, my dream, I had a couple of dreams in life. One was to help people. I just always wanted to help people, and I would go around. How many of you remember the Jerry Lewis telethons that would come on TV? I would go around with my big coffee can, my Maxwell House coffee can, and I would help collect and raise money for the kids, Jerry's kids. And just whatever it was, I just knew I was going to be doing a few things in life. One of them, I knew I was going to be helping people. Another, I knew I wanted to be married. And I did. I married the man of my dreams. The third thing that I wanted was to be a mom. Now, Pastor Troy and I had been married for a few years, and we had been trying to have kids for a while, but nothing was happening. Couldn't figure that out, but it was one of the biggest dreams on my heart was to be a mom. I could not wait to be a mom. All I thought about since I was a little girl, the day I got to have little boys and little girls. And so it was quite a struggle when years of trying and nothing happened. Years of praying and believing and nothing happened. As a matter of fact, there were lots of tears. There were lots of pregnancy tests bought and thrown in the trash. There were lots of heartache and hurt and emotion. And I remember this one day I was crying, and it was back in the days before we had iPhones, right? So this was 23 years ago. I remember crying, and my husband came to me, and he's like, babe, what's wrong? And I said, this is just a struggle, and it just hurts. I'm just hurting. This has been longer than I thought it would be. The doctors just keep telling me, just keep trying. You're young. I said, but it's just a struggle. I feel like one of the dreams of my heart is just not happening. And I'll never forget what he did. He said, come here, I want to show you something. He said, I was hesitant whether I wanted you to see this or not. He said, but I want to show you something. Now, this was the month of May. And he said, I want to show you something God spoke to me. And he flipped back a few weeks, and he literally wrote down something in his day timer. Y'all remember day timers? Okay. He wrote down in his day timer two words. And those words said, baby, July. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, babe, I'm telling you not to worry that you just need to trust God because literally a few weeks ago, he gave me these two words. He spoke to me, baby July. Now, this was May, and I heard him say this. And y'all, if you don't know my husband, he doesn't go around doing the thus saith God all the time or throwing the God card. Do you know what I'm talking about? Y'all know people who do that, right? Okay, if my husband says God said then you can take it to the bank because God said, because he will not go around doing that. Because we've seen people do that and manipulate, and that is as far from who we want to be as possible. But he says to me, God spoke these two words to me. And I started freaking out, right? A couple years of crying, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is incredible because I know Troy Maxwell is good for his word. He's legit. And even more importantly, if God told him, God is good for his word. Oh, that's it. July's just a couple months away. I am so excited. So you know what I did? 
I called all my girlfriends. I told everybody, I was like, you guys, July is coming. This battle, the, these prayers that I've been praying. July is my month. Y'all be praying with me. I am so excited. This is going to be the best year of my life. So then June comes, right? That was May. So then June comes and I start thinking, huh, I start trying to figure out everything, all that God was trying to say to my husband. And I was like, okay, so did he mean that it would actually happen in July or would it happen in June and it show up in July? <laughs> so, so I bought all these pregnancy tests and from July 1st, I started just taking a test every day. Like every day I'm taking a test because I'm going to figure this out, right? Then by the end of July, nothing, nothing. The end of July comes and I was like, oh, I got you, God. I know what you're going to do. You're going to wait till the very last day just to make sure that I am using my faith. I was like, I got you. I see you, God. I got you. So the very last day of the month, still nothing. And I thought, you know what? It happened in July, but it'll be showing up in August. <laughs> so then August, first couple of days, first couple of weeks, I'm still taking a test every day. By the end of August, Troy Maxwell is a false prophet. <laughs> I am so mad at him. I am so angry. I'm like, how could you do this to me? I was already fragile, and you just smashed me in a hundred pieces. You know when you get the yicks, when you cry, you're like, <laughs> I was yicking, y'all, and I was so mad. I said, how could you do this? You've never been wrong before. When God tells you something and you say God said, you've always been spot on. Why do you have to be wrong with me right here, right now, and what I've been walking through? He said, listen, all I can tell you is what God said. He said, I can't rationalize it. I can't explain it. I can't give you any more detail than the two words that he gave me. And I said, well, you're a false prophet, and I don't believe anything else you have to say. And I was angry. I was angry because it wasn't making sense to my mind. I didn't understand. I was trying to figure it out. Lo and behold, a couple months later, after I had forgiven him and he wasn't on the sofa anymore, I went into the doctors in October. I had the flu, and I went in, and lo and behold, it wasn't actually the flu, but I was pregnant. The doctor came in, and the doctor said, Mrs. Maxwell, your baby is due in July. <laughs> and of course, you know what my husband said, see, see? You twisted God's words. He didn't say pregnant July. He said baby July. You twisted it. I wrote down exactly what he said, and you twisted it. You know what's so funny about that? I'm putting myself out there, but do you know how often we do that? We hear a partial word from God, and we try to fill in that blank and assume this is what God meant. This is how he meant it. Okay, well, maybe it was June and it's going to show up in July. No, it wasn't that. Maybe it's in July and it's going to show up in all. I mean, we do that all the time with God. And what I learned from that lesson, and I'm glad that I learned it early on, was stop trying to figure everything out. Just let the word of God be true. 
You know, I heard what I wanted to hear. I did not hear what God actually said. How many times have we done that? How many times do we do that today? You know, the irony is, is that not long after that, I got pregnant again and had another baby. Guess what month that baby was born? July. On the same day, two babies on July 16th. Don't think that Pastor Troy didn't rub that in. Oh, he sure did. He sure did. But here's my question for you. Are your five senses more important than the Word of God? If you can see it, if you can touch it, if you can taste it, if you can smell it, if you can hear it, what is more important, believing the Word of God or trusting in your five senses? Because, see, there are times where your five senses will not match the Word of God. If you have heard us share the story about our middle child, our daughter, Cabell, you will hear us. If you've been at this church for any length of time, you have heard us share this story because we promised the Lord when he healed her that we would never, ever, ever stop telling of that miracle. She had tumors in her brain, and they found it in utero. They told us she either had trisomy 18 or trisomy 21, neither of which is good. Trisomy 18 meant that if she did make it to uh, birth, that she would be dead by her first birthday. Neither one of those diagnoses were good. But do you know what? We trusted and we believed. And when we, when we told the doctors, we're like, hey, listen, we're believing for complete healing. You know, they called the psych people. They called the grief counselor and everybody to come and counsel us because we were quoting the word of God when they were giving us the bad news. But can I tell you what? The word of God trumps how I feel every single time. Every single time. Because there is no logical way that you can remove a chromosome from a child's DNA that is already conceived. And that's exactly what happened. What I'm trying to say is, is that there are so many times in life where you're going to want to try to, not intentionally, but put God in a box and say, if I can understand this, God, I will believe you. Can I ask you today what miracle you might need? Maybe it's like me and you are trying to have a baby or maybe it's like me and you needed physical healing. Maybe the healing you need or the miracle that you need is in your marriage or in your finances or in a relationship. I don't know what your miracle is that you need, but I can tell you this, God surely does. Will you trust him for it? Will you trust him? Because I can promise you it's not going to make sense. Jesus had just performed a miracle in Cana, and he's coming back, and there's a government official that comes up to him, and he says to him, Jesus, I need you to come to my house because my son is on the brink of death. Can you come to my house? I need you right now to come to my house. And Jesus says something interesting to him. In John 4, 48, Jesus says, Unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you will never believe. Now, some of us might think that Jesus is being cruel or unkind when he's saying that, and I don't think that he is. I think what he's doing is he's describing the human condition. He's saying, listen, 
The way that you think is if I see it, I'll believe it. But there's a higher way. My ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And I would just like to introduce you to this. Maybe you'll see it when you believe it. Maybe you will see it when you believe it and not the other way around. You see, what had happened with this guy is that he kept asking Jesus, will you come to my house? Will you come to my house? And Jesus saw something right away. He saw that this guy was more interested in a method. If you come to my house, if you lay hands on my son, if you pray for my son, that's how he's going to get his healing. And Jesus says back to him, he says, hey, listen, go, go home right now. Your son lives. Go, go on, go home. The guy didn't go, but wait, 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 wait. You need to come with me. The guy changed his stance and he said, okay, I'm going home. And the Bible actually says that when this guy left, it says he took Jesus at his word. He took Jesus at his word. It was one o'clock that day when he left Jesus. He went home and right before he had gotten to the house, his servants came out and said, you're not going to believe this. I mean, he's completely and totally healed. And he asked his servants, what time did you notice that he got healed? And his servants said back to him, one o'clock. What would have happened if he would have stuck with how he thought it should have been done? You see, what I'm convinced is that God is like a great pitcher in the major leagues. He's like a great pitcher. He doesn't have just one pitch that he throws. Because, see, if you only throw one pitch, the batter always knows what's coming. See, a great pitcher has multiple different pitches, so you can't figure out which one is coming. In other words, God is saying, I don't want you trusting in a method. I want you trusting in me. And we oftentimes get married to a method instead of being married to the one who can help us with our mess. And what we do is we say, God, you need to come through this door right here. And what we do is we start focusing on the door. And when we start focusing on the door, we stop focusing on the Lord. We're looking at that door, and now that door becomes our hope. That method, if you do it this way, and so all of our attention goes in one direction. And God says, no, 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 I'm going to come in over here because I don't want you focusing on a method. Why do you think Jesus healed people so many different ways in the Bible? He could have just said, hey, go your way. He could have said, go dip seven times. He could have touched him. He could have done so many different things. But do you know what he did? He said, go on back home. Because he knew the man's faith was if Jesus would come to his house. Did you know that your miracle is not based on whether Jesus comes to your house because he's already there? And sometimes people come to Pastor Troy and I, and they say, I need a miracle. I need you to pray with me. And we will let you know, we will absolutely pray with you, but our faith will work for you sometimes. Your faith will work for you all the time. We will join our faith with your faith. And when the righteous come together and believe, that's 
when miracles happen. I want you to understand this thing right here because if we don't understand this, we can get off. The atmosphere of expectancy is the breeding ground for miracles. If you need a miracle in your life, and I don't care what area it's in, mental, physical, financial, at your job, relational, the atmosphere of expectancy is the breeding ground for miracles. Faith is when you can't see already, but you're trusting and believing God that he is good for his word. Jesus doesn't work on our timetable or by our logic. And you know, sometimes having faith and trusting can look really foolish. We can seem really foolish that we're believing something. I know I probably looked really foolish when I was telling all my girlfriends, baby July. I mean, that looked pretty silly when July came and went, right? Well, there's part of that story that I didn't tell you that I want to tell you now. What I didn't tell you is that after that whole thing of me calling my husband a false prophet and all that, before we found out I was pregnant, after all of that, it was the beginning of October, I was scheduled for surgery so they could do exploratory surgery and figure out exactly what was going wrong with me. I was a loan officer at the time. I was working in the banking industry. So I'd already taken off work. I'd already given my workload, divvied it out to different people. I had planned to take time off so I could recover. My friends had set up meal trains. They all knew that I was going in for surgery. And that day, my husband had just been praying all day. And he comes to me that night. And he says to me, babe, I can't shake this. I've tried shaking this all day long. I can't shake this, but I need you to know that I don't feel like you're supposed to go through with the surgery tomorrow. And I said, why not? He said, I don't know. I've tried to shake it. He said, I I just can't shake it. And he wasn't going to say that God said, because I'm still mad at him from, you know what I'm talking about? But he just kept saying, there's this feeling. I, I just can't shake it. And in the back of my head, I'm going, oh, I know, I know, you're, you're going to give me, a, you're going to profile again. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm thinking, but you know what, here's the thing. I appreciate the headship of my husband. He doesn't get it right all the time, but I trust him. I trust the covering that God put me under. And so I said to him, okay. It's too late to call into work. I'll text my boss, though, and just let him know that I'll be in tomorrow. I'll go ahead and let my friends know. I didn't really understand or know why. I showed up at work the next day, and everybody was expecting me to not be there. And they said, why why are you here? And I said, just didn't feel like I was supposed to go through with the surgery. Just didn't feel like I was supposed to do that, so we canceled it. And they know the struggle for years at this point that I had been through. The sheer struggle and the hurt and the pain, right? So here I am canceling a surgery that was going to help show me what was going wrong. But it was two weeks later that I thought I had the flu. And then I found out that I was pregnant with Colby. And the doctor told me if I would have gone through with that surgery, it would have aborted Colby. 
Do you see how important it is to be in God's timing? To listen for the voice of God, because there's a lot of voices out there whispering a lot of different things. And the voice of God has to trump every other voice. Because if we don't step out in God's timing, we could abort something that God is trying to do in our life. And I'm so thankful that I listened to my husband. I want to tell you about another person in the Bible who had some things that he had to process through in order for him to see his miracle. His name was Naaman. Naaman was a prized warrior for the king, but he had come down with leprosy. And leprosy was an incurable disease. It was so bad, actually, that there would be sores and blisters that would break up all over somebody's body. They would have them down their throat and get in their their, uh, lungs and cause respiratory issues. They would go blind because they would have pus and ulcers and sores on their eyes and just welts all over their body. Their arms would bend in, their fingers would curl up, and then eventually their limbs would fall off. It was a pretty serious condition, and the king's prize warrior came down with leprosy. So what happened? You'll find this story very similar. It says the king, 2 Kings 5.10, Naaman took his horses and his chariots, and he arrived in style. The king sent him. He arrived in style. He was going to the prophet Elisha. He wanted healing, and he took a bunch of money with him, right? So here he is, this elite top official, Naaman, the prize warrior. How many of you know it doesn't matter what your title is? It doesn't matter how much you have when you need healing? God's the only one that can fix you, right? But I love what this says, and I want to bring this up in just a minute. It says, Naaman, with his horses and his chariots, arrived in style. It says he stopped at Elisha's door. Elisha sent out a servant to meet him with a message. He says, go to the river Jordan and immerse yourself seven times. Your skin will be healed and you'll be as good as new. What did Naaman do? Naaman, the one who arrived in style, lost his temper, and it says he turned on his heel, in other words, turned his back to walk away. And he said, I thought he would personally come out and meet me, call on the name of God and wave his hand over my disease spot or something and get rid of this disease. Nope, mm-mm, doesn't do that. The Damascus rivers, the Abana rivers, the Parfar river, Everything is cleaner by far than any of the rivers in Israel. Why not bathe in one of those? At least I'd get clean. He stomped off mad as a hornet. He is like, listen, you didn't even come out here to to give me the words yourself. I had this expectation of you that you would wave your hand over me and it would magically disappear. You send some lowly servant. Do you not know who I am? Did you not see how I arrived? You know what's so interesting is that the servants call out to him. They caught up with Naaman. And they said to him, Father, if the prophet had asked you to do something hard and heroic, wouldn't you have done it? 
Why not this simple wash and be clean? Why not just do what he's asking? Why not? So he did it. He went down in the river he didn't want to get in, immersed himself in the Jordan seven times, following the orders of the holy man. His skin was healed, and it was like the skin of a little baby. He was as good as new. He then went back to the holy man, he and his entourage, and he stood before him and he said, I now know beyond a shadow of a doubt that there is no God anywhere on earth other than the God of Israel. And gratitude, please let me give you a gift. As God lives, Elisha replied, the God whom I serve, I'll take nothing from you. You cannot buy a miracle. You cannot buy a miracle. I don't care what any TV preacher told you. I don't care the little bottle of water or the splinter from the cross. You cannot buy a miracle. You cannot buy a miracle. Naaman tried his best to get him to take something, but he wouldn't do it. You see, Naaman had a particular way he thought God was going to move. What I want to share with you is just my last thoughts. I want to give you four things that if you want to receive a miracle in your life, these are four things that we're going to take straight from what just happened with Naaman. How do you receive a miracle? First thing, first thing that Naaman had to do, he had to lower his posture. You see, the reason why the prophet didn't come out is because the prophet knew he struggled with pride. The prophet knew in order for him to get the miracle that he needed, he had to go directly to the very thing that put him in that place in the first place, his pride. He pulled up and had an expectation because of who he was he, he wanted the red carpet rolled out for him. He wanted this guy to acknowledge his status, and God doesn't really care about our status. The Bible says that God himself resists the proud. So how can Elisha do anything in this man's heart if this man is filled with pride? Why do you think that you see so many times in the Bible where it says that a woman came and kneeled before Jesus and got her healing, or a woman came and broke open a jar on his feet and her healing came, or a man came and bowed down and their healing came. If you are needing a miracle in your life, can I please ask you to check your posture? Check your posture. Posture matters. When we are humble God will move. God will move on our behalf. You want a way to test your posture? What happens when you worship? And I'm not just talking about worshiping at home where nobody can see you. What happens when we worship corporately? Is there any part of us that doesn't want to be seen, that doesn't want anybody to look at us? Is there any part of us that wants to hold back because are we here 
for everyone else? Are we here to worship our Lord, our Savior, our Creator? When we focus on Him, it's amazing how we can let go and we're not concerned who is to our right or to our left. And what I've found is there's a direct correlation between our posture and our worship. Sometimes we struggle with worship. Why? Because it's vulnerable. We're, we're saying by lifting our hands, it's a universal sign all throughout the world of surrender. We're saying, God, I surrender. In other words, I relinquish control. Ouch. Ouch. Our posture matters. How else do you receive your miracle? The second thing he had to do was he had to get his head out of it. He had to get his head out of it. Now, for those of you in here who are very cranial, my son is this way. Everything, he's going to process every single thing out to the nth degree. Can I just tell you, you're going to have to let that go. If that is your personality and some job types are more specific and conducive to that. I won't call those job types out, but you know what I'm talking about, right? If you tend to be real heady, I'm gonna ask you to get out of that in order for you to position yourself for God to move. Because your head has no part of God's miracles. It bypasses your logic. You're not going to be able to understand or figure out, even though you might try. Our head has to get out of it. The third thing we have to do in order to receive our miracle, same thing that Naaman had to do, he had to relinquish control. He had to actually humble himself, listen to his servants. You see, he was used to being in control. And when we are used to being in control, it's really hard to give the reins over to God. The thing we like about control is we get to say, if I'm in control, it's like if you've ever been in the car with somebody and, and they're driving and you're jumping a little bit because you have no idea what they're doing because you're not the one in control. So like they touch on the brakes and you're like thinking they're going to, you know, put you through the window or they pull out and you think that they pulled out in front of another car it's because you're not in the driver's seat. You're not in control. How many husbands, your wives do that? Yeah, my husband, please, if y'all see me on the road, please don't tell on me. Y'all keep going, telling my husband. You saw how fast I was going. Don't get me in trouble. So that's the thing. When we're not in control, it doesn't feel safe. And we always, as humans, look for safety. The trouble is, we don't always look for it in the right place. What if we looked for our safety in Jesus and not trying to figure out our situation like Naaman did? How do you receive your miracle? The last thing is Naaman had to get in position. He had to immerse himself in the river, even though he thought of all these reasons why he didn't want to get in that river. We have to get in position to receive now, I can tell you, um, when I was in high school and part of college, I played fast-pitch softball. And I know y'all don't think that's true, but I clean up, I promise. I clean up well. 
But I used to love, because in, in fast pitch, you get to slide, you get to steal, you get to do all the fun, cool pitches and bunt and all this kind of stuff that you can't do in slow pitch. And so I loved playing fast pitch softball. But one of the things that my coach taught me, I used to play third base or left field. And I loved playing third base because sometimes the stuff coming at you, you, you weren't 100% sure. It could be a, a line drive coming at my chest fast, or it could be a grounder coming at me. But here's what my coach taught me. She taught me there's a position that I always want you to be in when you're playing, and I'm going to show you exactly what it looks like. I had my glove on my left hand and my right throwing arm. This hand was open. And at all times, I was to have both hands on my knees, just like this. Why was I to have both hands on my knees? Because in the position that I played, I could either have a ball that would come up and be a line drive and I'd have to catch it here, or I could have a grounder and I'd have to get it from here. But if I stayed in the middle, I could easily go up, I could easily go down. She said, always stay in position when the ball's coming to you. If there was a pop-up, all I had to do was lift up a little bit, catch it, but I had to stay in position. I had to always be ready. And if I wasn't ready, when the ball came my way, it could get past me. It was very important to stay in position. Like I was actually ready to receive something. And I think sometimes the problem is not that God wants to move. He's just waiting for us to get in a posture where we can receive. Because there's many a times that I accidentally was trying to send back a blessing God was trying to do in my life because my posture wasn't saying I was ready to receive. Are you ready to receive? Is there something in your life maybe that you could do that could help you get better positioned? Maybe it's a thought process. But you know what I found? I found that the miracle that you need most leads to what you really need most which is Jesus. You know, you saw a video a few weeks ago of uh, the Greer family there in our Lake Norman campus. And uh, they had a pretty tragic situation in their family. Um, the daughter was in the hospital for three straight months in a coma. Wasn't supposed to live. Three months in a coma. Pastor Troy and I took turns going up there every single day, just praying over her, even though the doctors were like, this is it. I'll never forget the dad saying, I hope the good Lord can hear these prayers because I'm, you know, he said, I, I'm pretty new to this stuff. I, I don't really know a whole lot. And we prayed with him. And you know what? We watched that whole family come to Jesus. God did not cause her to be in that coma, but God used it. God will never waste a hurt. Here she was for three months in a coma. Every Sunday, that family is in our Lake Norman campus serving Jesus. They all got saved. They all got baptized. They're all following the Lord because of a tragic situation that was in need of a miracle. Sometimes the miracle that you want most and that you need leads you to what you really need, which is Jesus. Can you stand on your feet with me? See, one of the things that I learned through the whole situation that I went through with my kids or whatever I've 
found myself in is I can't put all my trust in an outcome. But what I can do is trust the God of the outcome. Because I think sometimes my faith isn't always in God. My faith is if my situation changes. And that's not how God works. God is God whether we get the answer that we think is what we deserve or whether we don't. But what I can tell you, just like with Naaman, we've got to lower our posture. We've got to get our head out of it. We've got to relinquish control. And we've got to get in position. Would you just get in position with me right now? Would you just close your eyes and bow your head and just lift your hands like you're going to receive Everyone online as well. If you've never lifted your hands before, can I just encourage you, just try it. What have you got to lose? What have you got to lose? Maybe a little bit of embarrassment, maybe a little bit of pride, but that's okay. Can I just get you just to try, just to lift your hands a little bit in a posture of surrender? Just a posture of surrender. God, I just thank you right now for every person in here. God, that you are the God of miracles. God, I thank you that your miracles are in motion. God, that they start in the heavenly realm and they end here in the natural realm with changed lives, changed situations. God, no matter what it is that people are walking through today, God, you, you had so many different ways that you healed people. God, we just ask you right now just to sweep and move across this room. Lord, for everyone who is watching online, God, I thank you just for touching them right there where they are in their situation. Lord, whatever we need most, God, you know exactly what it is. And God, we ask you right now to put your finger on the very thing that may be hindering that miracle from coming to pass. Lord, if it's our pride, if it's our anger, if it's our arrogance, if it's our insecurities, whatever that looks like, God, we just ask you right now, in Jesus' name, that your miracle-working power start working right now in our lives. And for those of you who are in the room, who have never experienced a miracle before, can I just tell you that the greatest miracle of all, I, I can't understand it with my natural mind, but when Jesus died on the cross and he shed his blood on the cross, somehow that act of love and that act of kindness paid for my sin. It paid for your sin. If you have never received that love, that forgiven life, could I just encourage you right now just to tap into that while the power of God is here in this room and literally I can feel his presence tangible in this room right now. Please don't leave this room without getting what you came for. God wants to move in your life. He wants to move on your behalf. He's just wanting you to trust. And I know that it looks like letting go of security and comfort. I know that it, it looks like letting go of things that your five senses may tell you is how things should be. 
But can I ask you just to take him at his word? He wants to blow your mind. Every good and every perfect gift comes from the Father of lights who wants to bestow on us good things. God, we literally just feel your presence right now. God, there is nowhere that we want to be other than your presence. We thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in our midst. God, we thank you for who you are. Last thing, last thing I want to say, I want everybody to look at me for just a minute. There have been times in my life where I was believing God for something and I saw it instantly happen. Instantly. There have been other times where I believed God for something and it was a process. If you are believing God for something today and you don't see it instantly happen, can I just encourage you just to be careful over what you speak? What you speak is incredibly powerful. And so instead of saying, I don't believe that it happened. I don't believe it can happen. I didn't see anything. Can you just say this? Can you just say the process has begun? The process has begun. The process has, say it out of your mouth right now. The process has begun. Believe that your miracle is in motion. The same God that healed in the Bible is the same God that heals today. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel and join us for online services. If you'd like to learn more about Freedom House or how you can become part of our church, visit our website at freedomhouse.cc.